Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. Hey, ADHDers. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm your host, Amanda, and today we're going to be talking about perfectionism. Now, hold on. I want to ask you a few questions first before you click off going, I'm not a perfectionist. I want to preface the following questions, though, with this. Perfectionism is not a diagnostic criteria for ADHD, but it does affect a lot of ADHDers. And here's why. Perfectionism is often used as a shield to protect us from judgment and criticism, something that most ADHDers are all too familiar with. The amount of times that an ADHD child compared to a neurotypical child are corrected is astronomical. And that's really traumatizing, which is part of the reason that many ADHDers turn out to be perfectionists and people pleasers. Because... If I do everything right, then no one can tell me I did it wrong. No one can think I'm incompetent. No one can think that I'm lazy. No one can think that I'm not worthy. And the people-pleasing side, well, if I make everyone happy, then no one's going to sit there and be mad at me, and then I get to fit in and not be left out of things. So let's dive a little bit deeper here. And if those hit home a little bit, you are not alone. I want you to know that. So if you're wondering if you might be a perfectionist now, you're sitting there and thinking, okay, maybe I feel that way sometimes. But you know, there's sometimes where I think those things, but then I don't do anything. So that can't make me a perfectionist. Perfectionism presents itself differently in different people. There are several different types of perfectionists, which is actually something I go over in my perfectionism webinar. And then I also have a version that I do with my small group coaching and then a version for one-on-one coaching. But in all of those, we talk about the different types of perfectionism and different types of perfectionists. So some of these traits might resonate with you while others don't. And that's because these things present differently in different people. So let's get to these questions, okay? How often do you sit there thinking, well, I should be doing more right now. I could have done more on that thing I just did. The thought process that it's never enough. What about needing to be efficient at all times? Are you maybe a little worried or fearful that you're going to make a mistake? And then maybe that mistake would make people judge you or think a certain way about you that you really don't want them to think? So maybe you'll do whatever you can to cover up or defend your mistakes. And then sit there and continue to worry and stress about it for days and weeks and months and maybe even years to come. Do you ever worry about starting a new activity because there's the chance that you won't be good at it? Are you fearful about making a fool of yourself in public? Are you afraid to share your problems with other people because you need to keep them to yourself? Nobody can know that you're struggling. Do you ever procrastinate a task because, well, if I do it now, then it's not going to turn out exactly the way I want it because I'm not in the right headspace to do it, or, oh, I don't have the right supplies for me to be able to start that project yet, so I just I just can't yet. That's all. I can't yet. And then sometimes the 
can't yet becomes never or several years later that we finally get the right materials or right mind frame to be able to do it. These are just a few examples. I have tons more that I could share, but we'd be here all day. All right. So you resonated with some of those examples. Now what do I do about it? Recovering from perfectionism is not an overnight process. It's really helpful to learn where the perfectionism came from, where it's rooted, to then go and do the work to heal those things to help you with that recovery process. So some of what we do in this course and webinar is sit there and look at the different factors of perfectionism. Oftentimes, the way that ADHD falls in as a factor is under the trauma side. But there's other factors of perfectionism too, because let's face it, not just ADHDers are perfectionists. There's plenty of neurotypical people who struggle with the same things that we do. I know, that part probably sounds pretty shocking. But this is one area that neurotypicals and neurodivergents can relate at least on some level. So hey, if you're neurotypical and you're listening to this podcast right now, maybe out of support to a neurodivergent friend or family member, this unit that I have here might be helpful for you too. And I guess I probably should tell you all when the perfectionism webinar is, huh? So here's the deets. It's all online through Zoom, and tickets are available on my website, theadhdlady.org backslash webinars. And it's taking place September 18th and 19th from 11 to 3 Eastern Daylight Time. When are we going to get rid of Daylight Savings Time? Because this whole EST, EDT nonsense is just ridiculous. Anyway, that's when the webinar is. If you're struggling with perfectionism, I highly recommend you come and join us that day. Because like I said, part of what we do in this course is we dive deeper into why we become perfectionists. Now, I want you all to be mindful that I am not a psychologist or psychiatrist. So the healing and diving into our trauma portion of perfectionism recovery is not something that we would be doing together. But understanding the root cause is, and then you can take that knowledge and understanding and then go work on the healing and recovery with an experienced and certified mental health professional. I'm just here to help you learn about it, to help you learn about where it might have come from. Because as I was saying, the factors of perfectionism are not just the trauma side and ADHD part. There are gender socializations that lead people into perfectionism. The way you were parented, can lead people into perfectionism. The way that our peers and school interactions were can lead us into perfectionism. And we go into all of those factors a little bit deeper for you to get that knowledge and understanding. And that's the really nice thing about the webinar and uh, doing it in the group setting is that you see that you're not the only person who has this struggle. I love my classes for that reason. It's an opportunity to bond and share experiences and realize that you are not alone. I've been dealing with perfectionism too, and I've been recovering from my perfectionism for well over a year now. But just because I'm recovering does not mean I don't still see it show up. And that's a very important distinction to know. 
healing from these things takes time. Our brains have essentially become programmed to be people pleasers and to constantly second guess and worry that what we're doing is not good enough. And that doesn't just poof away overnight. But I can tell you, being, you know, a little over a year out from when I started this journey specifically, I feel so much more free. And it all began with just having the knowledge and understanding of what perfectionism is and how it shows up in my life. And starting the process of trying to recover from it came from a knowledge of where I was at, too. Because that was the thing. I was setting high expectations for myself. Too high for where I was. Some of those goals, though, now that I have broken through some of the other layers of everything, some of those goals are things I could maybe start trying to work on again because I'm at a different place in my life now. And I want to be very clear. There is a difference between high standards and perfectionism. Someone with high standards, uh, which also might be called an excellentist, they have more of a growth mindset where, sure, they don't want to make mistakes, But if they do make a mistake, they can learn from the mistake. Whereas a perfectionist would just sit there and shame themselves and then, you know, might even try to hide or cover up the mistake that it was even made. Someone with high standards has compassion for themselves. But perfectionism is often really deeply rooted in shame. Someone with high standards will sit there and know, hey, this is kind of a big goal. So there's a good chance that I'm going to fail on the way, but I'll just try to fail better next time. Whereas a perfectionist will set the exceptionally high, unrealistic standard and expect to meet it. And then when they don't, their mood is deflated and they feel like a failure. And they don't use that information to help them learn how to do things differently next time. And I want to be very clear on another thing. None of that makes you a bad person. I don't want looking at perfectionism and realizing that, hey, I might be a perfectionist to produce more shame for you. If you're a perfectionist, you've got enough of that. But I will say that recovering from it lightens up that shame so much. Again, it's not going to disappear overnight. But my goodness, is it freeing to just pick something up and do it just for the fun of it, whether you do well or not. My perfectionism has always made me quite competitive. I'm going to use something that my partner and I do as an example here. Our very first date was miniature golf. And he had done mini golf like once or honestly, he might have never played mini golf before our first date. But he is naturally athletic. This man can pick up any sport and just do it. It's very impressive. And it is not a talent that I possess. But I'm pretty good at mini golf. And I knew that going into the date. That he had no experience, but here I am, someone who went mini golfing like every summer since, oh my gosh, I was at least five. I got this. I'm totally going to win. I had a small sensory meltdown in the middle of the date, and I did not win that day. It started to rain. I did not know at the time that I was autistic. The rain did not go well for me. 
he has to work in the rain all the time, has no problem with it. But it totally threw me off. And no, I'm not making excuses for why I didn't win mini golf. Just setting the stage here. Flash forward to the following summer. Now, I was just kind of at the start of the perfectionism recovery at the beginning of this summer. So I was still pretty competitive in the summer of 2020. We decided that, hey, because mini golf was our first date, let's have a little fun with mini golf this summer. Now, I do want to add in that since we started dating, he has actually picked up golf as a sport and is now doing it regularly. Like Not just the putting part, but the whole thing. So that only increased the competitive nature of our mini golf play that summer. Oh, and my partner is also an ADHDer, so yep, and a perfectionist to boot. So the competitiveness didn't necessarily show up and rear its ugly head that very first date, although I died inside a little bit when he won and beat me when it was something that he was barely experienced in, hurt my soul a little, but I figured, you know what, nah. I get to take it back this summer. No rain is going to interrupt my winning mini golf. And we made it a competition. That whole summer, we kept track of who won which game. And I am proud to say that by the end of that summer, who was the champ, had the most mini golf wins under her belt? Yeah, that was me. But because it became so focused on the competition, we started to lose sight of the fun. The fun that we had on that first date. It's the whole reason that we kept playing mini golf that whole next summer. Flash forward to now. When we go out and play miniature golf now, I have a very different mindset. I'm not going to lie to you. The competitiveness definitely comes out at certain times. But overall, I have really shifted my focus. Now, I really just want to have fun with my boyfriend. I just want to enjoy each other's company, be silly, and get some time outside together. And worrying about the competition of it all, yeah, that takes a lot of the fun away. Especially when we're both so competitive. Or were. Because he too is trying to let go of the perfectionism. He's at a slightly different place in his journey, but that's okay. I'm not his coach, I'm his girlfriend. But I'm really, really proud of what we both have been working on together. Because now we can go out for a game of mini golf and there is no frustration ready to throw our clubs because I didn't get that hole. I You got a three and I got a six. What? Now it's just, oh my God, can you believe it took me that many putts to get it in the hole? <laughs> that was ridiculous. It's lighthearted. It's fun. We see the mistakes and we learn from them. And I will say that our scores are still pretty equal to where they were. But since I've let up on the competitiveness, uh, he's taken the lead on who's won this summer. And it's okay. It would not have been okay last year. That's why I had to step up my game. That's why I had to win last summer. But this year... I've had a really nice time going out with him, and yeah, he's really good at golf, so of course he's going to beat me. That's fine. And when the competitiveness starts to come out a little bit, because 
it's recovering from perfectionism, not, hey, I'm not a perfectionist at all anymore. <laughs> Gosh, I love the term like perfectionism recovery. We have Brene Brown to thank for that one because it's a journey. It's not a once and done thing. It doesn't just leave you. That's the thing with mental health. We're constantly working on building ourselves back up and growing and learning and finding new ways to cope and heal. So if you're wondering, you know, how are you so laid back about this? How are you okay with him just beating you now? I've put in the work. I've taken the time to see, okay, this is part of why I've become a perfectionist. This is part of why I become a perfectionist. Oh, shit. That's one of the fears that I have that made me a perfectionist. And that's definitely why I'm a people pleaser. And I have worked on removing the judgment from my life, which is one of the exercises that we do together in the, the course. One of many, I should add. Because there's a lot of different things that we can do to start this process. And, you know, whether you're doing it as a one-on-one -on -one thing or you're taking the webinar, which really is a great deal for the whole weekend, you get all of these resources to take with you. So it's not like, oh, I just get it all in two days and then what do I do from there? You have the different tools that we work on to help you along the way. I have a whole folder of resources for you guys. <laughs> There's different activities and worksheets and things to just kind of dive a little deeper and think about things in a different way. And then some things for you to take and work on on your own. Because healing is not linear. And it is not the same for every person. So that's why I have so many different places that I have pulled resources from and created for you guys. I do have a book recommendation, though, that uh, definitely has been a great tool for this whole program. One of the biggest themes that is talked about in this book is how we currently live in the society that values productivity. If you're not being productive well, then what are you bringing to the table? And that, that's a really hard thing for a lot of ADHDers to cope with. And here's why. Our brains are constantly looking at these new leisure activities that it gets excited about. Gives us that dopamine. But if you're sitting there and you're painting because that's what your brain needs to be doing, for many ADHDers, there's a lot of shame that comes from that. Ugh, I just spent the last two hours painting and I still have a sink full of dishes. Great. Why did you waste so much time doing that thing when you could have been doing the other thing? And even outside of self-shame, because there are some people who have gotten to a place that they're comfortable with that. There is still shame that many of us experience from the outside world. I know I've been judged by other people in my life about how I spend my free time. You know, you could be doing this instead of doing that. And yeah, could I be doing the quote-unquote productive thing? Absolutely. But if I don't do this other thing now, I'm not going to have the dopamine to be able to focus on doing the quote-unquote productive thing. My brain literally needs to have leisure activity to be able to do 
productive activities. And my productivity does not define my worth or value. Who I am is more defined by the things that I love to do. Anyway, changing that perspective, shifting that mindset, it's been a really helpful tool and uh, one of the things that I really love about this book. Again, it's called Do Nothing. The author is Celeste Headley, and it is a wonderful resource. So if you're looking to learn about that perfectionism, definitely check out my webinar, check out my coaching options, and I'm sure this is a topic that I will be talking about many other times in the future on my podcast. Heck, my old intro even says, and I'm going to try to not let the perfectionism slip in here. Because releasing that perfectionism is something that I work on every single day. But I am incredibly proud to say that this whole time that I have spent on recovering from it has made me into my favorite version of myself. And perfect, it's just not real. But I am good enough. So that's the podcast episode for today. Thank you guys so much for joining me. To learn more about my upcoming classes, webinars, and my coaching programs, please check out theadhdlady.org. I am so glad we got to spend this time together today, and I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. Have a wonderful rest of your day. 